You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to talk a little college football is Kelly Ford from TheLines.com. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. How about we jump right on in and talk about the Michigan Wolverines. All distractions aside, Michigan is looking like a darn good football team, but now they face Penn State. Michigan's a four and a half point favorite. Total is 45 and a half for BetMGM. How do you see this game playing out? And by the way, with all these distractions or, you know, all these, you know, accusations going on with Michigan, you know, it's not like if they do win, the title's going to be tainted in any way. Like they're still going to be celebrated as, as, you know, champions. So anyway, what do you think about this? Yeah, no, Ed. Absolutely, Ed, and I appreciate you guys having me on. As always, it's a good time. Um, I agree with everything you're saying about the distractions and what happens if they win and all those things. For the purposes of this game, I could not be more excited. I do the watchability scores every week, 0 to 10 scale. This game registers as a 9.9. It is it is impossible mm. to get more excited <laughs> about a game than I am for this one. You're, you're looking at average quality. You're looking at projected competitiveness. This game is off the charts in both of those metrics. I've written and talked about pretty extensively why I don't think Michigan deserves to be ranked where the committee has them ranked right now. They just haven't played enough. Um, They've dominated their schedule, but they haven't played enough uh, teams to, to deserve that. That'll change this week. And this is a really good Michigan football team. For the third consecutive week, they're number one in both my power ratings and my relative scoring margin metric. So basically, they are dominating their schedule more than any other team is dominating its schedule relative to what would be expected of the average top 25 team against any of those schedules. So it's a way of saying, okay, I don't really care who you've played. Let's normalize it and say, how would we expect a team to play against this schedule? And Michigan is just off the charts on that. So it's a really good football team. They're going to get tested this week for sure. It's the number one defense in the nation for me, this Michigan defense. They've been there for nearly half the year. The offense is top five. They have a chance to finish number one in my power ratings for the first time since 1964. I mean, it's been 50, 60 years since they were number one in my power ratings at the end of the year. This team has the potential to do that. They have a stiff test this week, as you mentioned. Penn State, for me, power rated number four, certainly the biggest test that, that Michigan's faced all year. The Nittany Lions are number three in my relative scoring margin metric that Michigan leads the country in, so they're doing very well against their schedule as well. The number four defensive unit. The question for me, guys, in this game, as it's really been all year for Penn State, can this Mm -hmm. Drew Aller-led offense, and they're number 22 by my numbers, can they score enough points in this game to get the win? The last time we saw Penn State, and the only time this year we've seen Penn State play a game that they didn't have a massive talent advantage, it was on the road at Ohio State. They only scored one touchdown in that game. It came very late in the fourth quarter, if you'll remember. This one's at home in front of their fans, a very raucous environment. Michigan's got to be thankful it's not a night game, but we got big noon kickoff, of course. Um, it's still going to be a tough environment. Can that Penn State offense score enough points? 
My numbers suggest maybe not so, but I've got it closer than Vegas. I've got Michigan minus one in this game, uh, 53% wow. chance that, that Michigan wins it outright. Uh, Kelly, I want to ask you about a couple of angles that are certainly being discussed a lot, and maybe you think they they shouldn't be. Uh, maybe it's part of the noise. It's hard to remove last year from your brain and what we saw with that drubbing, right? 300-yard uh, gap between the two teams, running all over Penn State for Michigan. It's hard to remove that. And the other thing that's challenging is James Franklin against top teams, top five, whatever, you know, trend that you want to cite top against top five against top 10 against Michigan and Penn State since you joined Penn State it's an awful record it's an awful record so I'm assuming that your numbers don't look at either of those things do you as a human that's true the model does not and Joe yes I do and that's a part of my considerations here for last year Penn State's a better team this year than they were last year that's first and foremost the game's also in Happy Valley as opposed to in the big house I think that's an important factor too and I actually wrote about this this week and I've talked about it as well the the James Franklin can't win the quote-unquote big games uh, narrative and it's not undeserved to this point that has been true mm -hmm. we have to keep in mind there was a time really not too long ago where that exact same thing was said about Jim Harbaugh. And until 2021, when he knocked off these teams and went to the Big Ten Championship, won that game, went to the CFP, now he can't lose to these teams seemingly. So at some point, I just think James Franklin's too good of a coach for that narrative not to change at some point. Will it be in this game? Maybe, maybe not. But we also have to remember moving forward, the Big Ten's ditching division starting next year. He won't have to play Michigan and Ohio State every single regular season. So he's going to get helped out by the schedule a little bit there. And this could be his best chance to get a win. He's at home. He's got a really good team. It's just can that offense do enough, like I said. But those are absolutely things that college football fans and handicappers and betters need to keep in mind because that is, that is an important um, kind of ancillary part of this game. I want to ask you about Alabama at Kentucky. Alabama coming off back-to-back double-digit wins. This spread at 10.5. What does your model have it at? Yeah, yeah, Aaron, it's a it's a great question. And Alabama, to me, I was talking with Ed before we came on the show live here. They're a team that's very interesting, and I think they're really hitting their stride. So I've got this game as I pull up the Alabama dashboard at Alabama minus 14. Alabama's number five in my power ratings. I believe they're a top four resume ranking deserving right now. The committee seemingly is saying, well, the teams that have a zero and a loss column deserve to be ranked higher. I disagree with that, but that's a conversation for another show, I'm sure. Um, this Alabama team, <laughs> top, top six defense, top 20 offense. Um, it's maybe not as dominant as the Alabama teams that we've seen historically under Nick Saban. But as I talked about before with Alabama and Georgia, they don't need to be better than the previous versions of themselves. They need to be better than the teams they're playing here in 2023. And my numbers suggest that they are. I've got a 67% chance that Alabama finishes the regular season 11 and one and rolls into Atlanta against presumably Georgia in what should be about a pick 'em game for me currently. But you're right, Aaron. The big thing here for Alabama is, can you avoid the letdown? Because last week it was an emotional game. You had a big win against a good opponent. It was a revenge game for you. Can you get back up for a road trip to Lexington, Kentucky, of all places, against a Kentucky team that's, you know, they're not bad. This isn't a, a bad Kentucky program anymore. What Stoops has done there is pretty darn good. He's got one of the best jobs in college football, I think, in terms of what he gets paid and where he gets to play versus the expectation level that he has every year. So good for him. I'm, I'm happy for him. Kentucky's number 36 in my power rankings. I like Alabama by about two scores, but they need to avoid that letdown, as you said. Maybe a tough question to answer here, but it's November the 9th right now. We just had a, another set of college football rankings come out Tuesday night. 
And of course, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, you know, usual suspects uh, still leading this list. I'm curious when it comes to say, when is the gelatin set for college football teams? Because when it comes to, you know, the evolution, we're always saying, okay, these are 19, 20, 21 year old kids playing football. Okay, fine. But at what point do we really know the quality of these teams to where we can comfortably say this team is better than that team? Whereas maybe, you know, the last couple of weeks, some teams can still be a work in progress. Maybe there's still some room for growth offensively and defensively. On the whole, when do you feel like we have a really good idea of what to expect going forward for the rest of the season and into bowl season? Yeah, Ed, that's such a good question and something that I spend probably an inordinate amount of time on with the power ratings every summer trying to figure out, you know, the weighting of phasing out preseason and do you weight the most recent games more heavily and if so, by how much and all that. By this point, and there's always exceptions, there's exceptions to every rule, but by this point, we have a pretty good handle on every single team in college football from a power rating standpoint. And because of that, we can feel good about the credit that we are assigning to teams in their resume building as they win and lose games here in November. So I think we've passed that inflection point of there's still unknowns about this team versus we feel pretty good about it. Again, teams get hot late. We see it all the time. Um, There'll be teams here and there where They'll fall off the map or they'll really start to play better because something has changed. But for the most part, 90, 95% of teams, we can feel pretty darn good about where we have them power rated at this point. And teams, you see that in the, the power ratings, teams aren't moving more than, you know, one, sometimes two. It takes a lot for a team to move more than maybe two football points per game from week to week at this stage of the season. Whereas early on in the year, you're getting swings potentially of upwards of seven points. I mean, a whole touchdown based on as you phase out preseason and as you replace that with in-season, if it's drastically different than what your preseason expectations were for a team. Okay, yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned that, the the adjustments and what is extreme. Because if there is an ex- a team that you could downgrade a ton, you would think, is a team that just fired their defensive coordinator this week, USC. Alex Grinch is out, and they, they might – lose out here they're a 15 point underdog to Oregon uh, can you talk about how much you've downgraded the Trojans and how much of a mismatch this is yeah and Joe you're absolutely right so as I go to the the um, USC dashboard here USC's currently power rated number 17 their raw power rating is 14.5 those are both season lows for USC. So they have been downgraded um, to the point that this is the lowest they've been all year. Um, it's a full almost nine points lower than their high watermark of this year, which was going into week three after they were 3-0 and coming into an off week. Um, so this team's been downgraded significantly since the beginning of the season. Uh, they came into the year in, in number eight in the power ratings. Again, now they're 17. The offense has not been the problem. I preseason, I had them number two. They spent a, the, really the first third of the season actually at number one. They are currently number two again for me. But the defense, as you mentioned, they came into the year number 54 projections. I had questions about a handful of Pac-12 defenses. And it was really, you know, of those top teams, who is going to answer those questions on that side of the ball the best? They're going to have a good chance to win this conference and to potentially make the CFP. USC did not answer the bell. Uh, They are currently number 85 on the defensive side of the ball. The, The firing that took place, it's hard to argue with that when you look at the results of this team. And just not even just the results, just the number 85 unit ranking. This is USC. I'm not saying you got to be top 10 every year. There's really no excuse for the USC Trojans and just the standing that they have in college football to ever be as low as number 85 on either side of the ball. It makes it all the worse because they have reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, presumably number one pick, and that high-powered offense. 
it feels as if they've wasted that because the defense wasn't able to hold up their end of the bargain. So USC's definitely been downgraded throughout the course of the year, and they are a team, Joe. If I could manually make additional downgrades, I've said before, I would probably put them even lower than number 17, but I don't do that to the model. That's why I leave people um, to do that on their own and, and make those observations with what the numbers say. Hmm, I love that. Give me another team where maybe the arrow is pointing up that people might not be expecting that you have, and then maybe one that's pointing down. The, the arrow's pointing up, and I'll go right to the team USC is playing this week. And I actually, now that I think about it, I think Joe even asked the question. I spent too long on USC. I didn't get to it. Oregon. You can make the case nobody's yeah. playing better than Oregon the, the, the past month of this season. No team has been upgraded more from preseason to current than the Oregon Ducks. 10.2 points, more than, than 10 points. I have upgraded Oregon from preseason to current. They're currently my number three power rated team um, in the entire country. And again, you could make the case that they are that they are even better than that. Um, currently, they do have the loss to Washington. So they're still fighting to secure their spot in the Pac-12 championship game. But right now, if they were to play Washington in that game, Aaron, my numbers would make the Ducks a seven point favorite in that game. Uh, so for me, that's a team that definitely the arrows pointed straight up. It, a team that the arrows pointed down. I mean, if I'm looking holistically at college football, no team's been downgraded more than Baylor this year. It's been a really tough year in Waco for Dave Aranda, a coach that I really like, um, but they just haven't had the results and the performances that we expected. You know, Michigan State, that's another one, and they had some off-the-field stuff obviously going on earlier this year from the Power 5 levels, another one that's been disappointing. Pitt, Minnesota, those are other teams that have been disappointing. But if I go to kind of the top of the power ratings and who's kind of trending in the wrong direction right now, it's Oklahoma um, for me. And again, they're losing games here recently. And so people will say, well, yeah, of course that makes sense. But it started, the downward trend started before they started losing. You'll remember they beat UCF um, by just a couple points at home before they started picking up losses. So that's a team that as recently as just a few weeks ago, I mean, maybe a month ago now at this point, as I pull up their dashboard, I had as high as number two in the power ratings and they spent multiple weeks at number two. Um, they're now number 10 and they're sliding in the wrong direction. It's happening at a bad time. They're on the outside looking in now into the, in the big 12 championship game, which I would not have expected just a couple weeks ago. They're not out of it yet by any means, but they, they are on the outside looking in. They need a little bit of help and they need to take care of their own business. So still a good team, just trending in the wrong direction, Aaron. Got about a minute left here. Ole Miss and Georgia, the dogs are at home. They're 10 and a half point favorites with a total of 58 and a half. How do you see this game playing out? Yeah, I'll keep it quick here. My numbers like Georgia by about seven. So I, I like it. I like Ole Miss a little bit more than Vegas does. 69% chance for Georgia to win this game. The question for me in this game, um, Georgia's got the best units in the game, both offense and defense. The Ole Miss offense is, is really good. I have them currently number 10. So I expect they're going to be able to put up a fight and, and score some points against the Georgia defense. The question is this Ole Miss defense, they're good, but not great. I've got a number 29. And is that going to be good enough at Georgia to slow down the Georgia offense enough times, get enough stops to allow that Ole Miss offense the opportunities they need to score the points that they will to win this game. The only other time we've seen an Ole Miss defense go up against the top 20 offense on the road this season, it was at Alabama in week four. That's the only loss that Ole Miss has on their resume. So that's kind of the common or the, the similar profile opponent I'm looking at here. And it didn't go well for Ole Miss last time. Did they learn enough in Tuscaloosa that they can apply that in Athens this week? Also, just side note for Ole Miss, gosh, you got to go to Alabama and Georgia in the same year. Who did they take off in the SEC <laughs> office? I'll tell you what, that is tough, man. But it's a really good Ole Miss team, and I'm looking forward to that game for sure. 9.6 on the watchability score, number two game of the week.
And of course, they do it just before they go to a 12 team playoff. So, way to go, Rebs. <laughs> way to go. Kelly Ford of the Lions.com. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our favorite plays for this weekend's college football slate. That's right here on the BetQL Network. No signal. Did he hold it? Yes! Devin caught the tight end. Panics creates some magic. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Quick moment of reflection, because I think sometimes when we're doing college football from one week to the next, that sometimes Mm -hmm. we forget that the A-team for ABC ESPN is now called Washington Football twice now. Like, that says a lot about where the program is and where Michael Penix Jr. is uh, in terms of, you know, his his reputation nationally, things like that, when you've got Herbie on the call a couple of times now. Uh, but still, though, uh, you know, fantastic season for Washington. Uh, we'll probably get into uh, that game against Utah. But we got to start with Michigan and Penn State, right? Michigan, four-and-a-half-point mm-hmm. favorites on the road in Happy Valley. Joe, how do you see this game playing out? Yeah, I mean, that that's where we have to start. Look, I, I mentioned it with Kelly. It is really challenging on, on a number of fronts with this game. Now, first off, it's what everybody's talking about, and it's fair. That's the thing. I know everybody's sick of hearing about it, but it's totally fair about the Michigan schedule. And how do you truly evaluate? When, when you look at the numbers, is that, is that fair? Like, we can throw out any good number, and it's going to be positive against Michigan because they faced all – bad teams this is a first ranked game of the season first ranked opponent that they've had all season long and so it it's fair to bring up the schedule and you know a lot of it is their fault but that's going to be taken care of over the next three weeks they win this one and then you got the end of the year game um so numbers wise i'm not saying completely throw them out but it is like take it all with a grain of salt it's like we've got to go back to small sample size in the first month of the college football season because it's just yeah, there's a larger sample, but they're not paying it, playing anyone quality. I feel like we're actually going to learn a lot in this spot. And I, you know, I'd also mention it's it's tough because last year, 41 to 7, game got completely out of hand. 418 rushing yards from Michigan. That's not gonna happen again. That's not gonna happen in this spot. But can it get out of hand? Can they cover the four and a half? Of course they can. James Franklin in a big game. But you know, you do look at the history of these two teams when they are at Penn state, they're a lot closer or Penn state is pulling out some victories. I think people are a little harsh on James Franklin. I I would say, give me the list of, uh, give me the list of head coaches that would have a winning record against Michigan and Ohio state in his tenure. I don't think that's a very long list. That's not easy to do. Like if you're around 500, that's like, Whoa, you're an awesome coach. Mm -hmm. So I, I think people are going a little bit too far there. Could it be low-scoring affair? Yeah, certainly. I, I could see that. Um, I just – look, people are going to look at it and say getting more than a field goal, Penn State, Michigan hasn't played anybody, and they're probably going to take the Nittany Lions. I, I assume the public's going to be on Michigan. Uh, not one of my favorites, but if I'm picking something here, i probably go Michigan. i probably go Michigan or the under, but – I can't sit here and say that I absolutely love anything in this game. 
Yeah, I'm the same way. From a fan perspective, looking forward to see what happens. But you bring up the point about who has Michigan played. This is going to be a tougher test. But I still think Michigan can cover the spread. Do we think like all this sign-stealing drama will be a distraction for these young guys? Or is that a non-issue? Either way, I think this is still a spread that Michigan can cover. Um, it's not, I'm not expecting them to blow them out. Schedule matters a great deal to me because when you're fate, especially when it comes to college football, when you're facing inferior competition week in and week out, you can just run the ball a lot more. You can have mm -hmm. trench warfare and win it consistently. You don't necessarily have to have complex offenses or creativity in terms of your passing attack. You don't need those things. This is the first time when Michigan will have to employ such tactics. And the question for me is, yeah, J.J. McCarthy has been super-duper efficient, but he hasn't really played anybody to where we can say wholeheartedly that this efficiency will translate against any kind of defense. And that makes me a little worried about McCarthy's Heisman chances, uh, Michigan's chances in terms of the passing attack. I think all of those things are fair game. I get the human element to say, okay, James Franklin does not win the big game. I totally understand that. Well, you know, he just came off of winning the Rose Bowl against Utah. That seems like a big win to me. I think that's significant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's different because you have extra weeks to prepare and all of that stuff. But I think there's potential in this program under James Franklin to win, to win big games. It can happen in a contest like this. I don't know if it will be Saturday, but definitely as far as how I want to attack this contest, I almost trust the Penn State defense more than I do any one particular unit on the field to where I think this is going to be a low-scoring game and I would hammer the under. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It does it and it, it's hard to to remove that Ohio State game. Like that's what you keep going back to with, with Penn State. Do you trust a quarterback? Like we talk a lot about the quarterback on the Michigan mm -hmm. side, McCarthy, and it, you know, him falling in the Heisman recently and you know, defensive matchups have been on the softer side. What about Drew Allar, though? you trust him? And I mean, to your point, that's probably why you like the under. Well, yeah, that, that's a big part of it. And, you know, yeah. it'll probably just be a deacon dunk kind of a game. Not to mention, I mean, Penn State has had one big contest already. And there were some in-game decisions, especially on fourth down, that were a little concerning. And so if they're opting to punt a little bit more than perhaps they should, that's another reason why I'm expecting this to be a low-scoring affair. Like, does James Franklin trust his quarterback in these high-leverage spots? I don't know the answer to that. And the fact that I don't mm -hmm. know the answer to that makes me nervous. Yeah. Also, Alar isn't really as good at using his feet either. Whereas mm -hmm. McCarthy right. can, if he needs to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. He, he can. He has one thing you can mm -hmm. say, like, I guess game manager comes to mind because mm -hmm. one, one positive that Franklin probably takes a look at, like, yeah, it, he's not the most talented. He's not one of these high flying quarterbacks that everybody's talking about every week. He has one interception on the year with 20 touchdowns. Like he'll take that with a strong defense. Yeah. Yeah, you'd rather have an elite quarterback, but for what they are, for what they need at the moment, like 20 touchdowns, one pick, kid, you're doing fine. You're doing good. 
and he's got these, you know, mm-hmm. every once in a while I have a three, four touchdown game, but I, I think they're just fine with that. Yeah. The under does make a lot of sense. I get that. I, I I'm with that one. Ed. Good deal. How about we go choose your own adventure here? What game do you want to get to next, Joe? All right. Um, how about Ole Miss, Georgia? This one, yeah. So it's 10 and a half. Dogs are favored. The total's 58. And Dart, a lot of, it's funny, it's controversial for some reason. People have very strong opinions on both sides uh, as far as Dart goes. But we, we know that they can put up points. Ole Miss can. And Georgia's been giving up a lot of points. And maybe it's surprising. I think a lot of people look at it, nah, they're just waiting. They're just going to, because they're waiting for the big games and they're going to turn it on. Well, they're going through a stretch where they're playing a bunch of ranked teams here. Uh, but Georgia's given up 20 or more in five of six games. Five of six. Mm-hmm. I expect to see some scoring in this one. And it looks like it's a high number, but uh, I'm going to go over 58. I think it's going to be one of those back and forth uh, SEC games where it, it, the score just ends up being a lot higher than any anybody expected. I like that one. <clears throat> that is not one that I did look at. Did you, Paul? Yeah, I've just got a few notes on it. And kind of backing up what Joe said, a lot of these Georgia games have had the yeah. same script. Now, it hasn't always ended the same way, but Vandy scored the first t- TD. Florida scored the first TD on them. Now, those woke up Georgia, and they blew them out. But then Georgia got an early field goal against Mizzou. Mizzou scored the first TD of the game, tied at the half, three-point game in the fourth quarter. They were hanging around. Auburn went up 10 nothing, tied at the half, tied late in the fourth quarter, playing with fire again. South Carolina scored the first touchdown, went out into the half up 14-3. Georgia comes out in the second half and dominates, held them scoreless. Both these teams are top 20 yards per play. So I'm, I'm with you, Joe. Like the over is definitely a look, but I'll be on the, I'll be on Ole Miss getting 10 and a half. Yeah, makes sense. If, if Ole Miss is in this game, it's probably going over, right? If it's close. Yeah. 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 I couldn't imagine. Like o- Ole Miss's defense is a little suspect. So if all of a sudden they're playing lights out, not to mention it looks like Brock Bowers, like there's a chance that he may be able to play in this game. So certainly huh. that will help the cause for Georgia. But at the end of the day, though, what have we been saying about Georgia all season long? That, boy, you know, they're not fraudulent. Not at all. They're still a very, very good football team. But they mm-hmm. don't have the swagger like they did the last couple of years. Last couple of years, they looked unstoppable with maybe, a, you know, a little dent here and there. But this season, it is not the same at all. And now they're 10 and a half point favorites against a top 10 football team. And Ole Miss is a legitimate top 10 football team. That's one of the reasons why I asked Kelly Ford in our last segment, like how much can we trust our power rankings right now, knowing that, okay, we have another month of data that we will be acquiring. And I like his answer and I completely agree with it. And it's been my experience as well, that now is the time where if you're a top 10 team, we can believe it. Ole Miss is a top 10 football team. There's no reason why they should be 10 and a half point dogs uh, against Georgia here where, okay, yeah, Georgia's undefeated. Yeah, they can make the college football playoff, but 10 and a half is just way too many points here. Jackson Dart can keep up with whatever Carson Beck and company can do. And the big thing against Jackson Dart has been the third down conversion rate. Like that's the one thing that people have been pointing to. Well, guess what? 
Third down conversion rate is not sticky from one season to the next, one game to the next. He can flip a switch and be just fine. Absolutely, the Revs can cover this number, Aaron. Mm -hmm. I love love it. So I'm looking at another big number. Huskies minus nine and a half. They're back at home at Husky Stadium, one of the toughest places to play. Now, you is not a team to take lightly. And I think they will be up for this game. But I just think with my, this is going to be tough for the Utes to keep up the potential for explosive offensive plays. Washington, I think they can cover this number. There's been some talk about the looking ahead to their next one. Huskies played Arizona. That was a lower scoring, just weird off game. And I don't Washington is going to get caught slipping again. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do you think, Ed? Yeah. Yeah. As far as, uh, you know, the dogs go, I, I, I think the Huskies will be just fine. I, I mean, I think this is something where, okay, yeah, Washington has had its bad games. That I get that. But look, you know, Utah offensively, like how much can we really trust what they're doing at this point? Like they're going to come back down to earth. Meanwhile, you know, Penix will be okay. You, you know, it, like I, I get the, the mm-hmm. USC defense. All right. You know, there's context to be had here, but it's not like Washington was ever a bad football team to begin with. Like every football team is going to have bad stretches. Like it's just going to happen, but definitely I think the good football programs know when to circle key opponents and they know how to game plan for them and have the best plans of attack for them. And I think that can definitely happen in a game like this. Yeah. um, One thing I don't have a play on this game. I just kept thinking about that USC game because the perception is with Utah Mm -hmm. is you want to bet on them at home and you probably want to go against them on the road. And there are a lot of sharp betters that week that were going against them just based on that. And then USC team's not that bad. Well, the Utes won on the road, but now we also have more Intel on USC. So what exactly Mm -hmm. Is Utah? It's been challenging to figure out. We know they have the great defense, but the offense, the big problem. Don't have a play there, but yeah, it could be uh, the Huskies in a row. The one, the one game I was looking at in the Pac-12. Let's go to USC, Oregon. Fifteen point spread. Okay. Total seventy-three and a half. My God, has there been a defensive coordinator talked more about in the last five years than Alex Grinch, and he's now out? I am curious right. how this team responds. Is it a talent issue? Was it more of a coaching issue? Do you get some sort of a one-week bump from the Trojans' defense and you're going against such a red-hot team in Oregon? I I understand if you want to say that this is going to mix things up for USC. We know they're going to be able to put up points. I, I wouldn't – I'm not scared to lay this number of 15. I'm not scared. I think Ducks will be fine. 
Oh, I, I go one step I'm further weird. here, Joe. I don't know if yeah. USC can score points against this Oregon defense. Like, I think okay. that's a big question mark coming into this one. So, completely agree with you. Corollary opinion. I don't know if I trust USC's offense at this point. And it's not like Alex Grinch was a bad defensive coordinator at his other stops. It's not like he's some 22-year-old that got fresh off no. the street. No, he's been following Lincoln Riley. He was at Washington State. Those defenses were good. Like, he had a great, great resume, Aaron. I think these are two, two, two different directions. Oh, yeah. There you go. Got that right. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> this is Beck UL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, let's be sharper about Thursday night football games. That's right here on the Beck UL Network. Class is now in session. Let's start with a pop quiz, shall we? Professor Eddie Gross is here to help you with your bets. Who you play, where you play them, at what point during the season you played them. Being able to put all of that in context is really important. Let's be sharper about this on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth, and Eddie Gross with you. Uh, we're getting you set for Thursday Night Football, and that's the angle for Let's Be Sharper this week. The number coming down a bit, guys. As we get closer and closer, it's now Bears favored by three. That was touching four yesterday, three and a half after the Beijing news. Now we're sitting at three on game day, low, low total of 38 and a half. But Ed, uh, for Let's Be Sharper this week, what is your Thursday night football angle? Well, Let's Be Sharper isn't just about discovering key concepts and betting on those. It can also be about challenging the status quo or ideas that may have been floating around for some time and seeing if they're actually true. Well, one thought is that for Thursday night football, that offenses might be more vanilla, that without a full week of preparation, that you scale back what you want to accomplish and you do simpler things. Now, NFL teams, they have enormous stats, right? Lots of different people are, are working for the organization and they're scouting opponents all day, every day. So lots of people are doing lots of work. So even if it were true, you'd see teams run the football a good bit more and not pass in more complex ways if indeed Thursday night football included more vanilla approaches offensively. So what I did was I looked at the last five seasons comparing Thursday and non-Thursday games in neutral situations. So no two-minute drills, no blowouts, just neutral situations where teams are choosing whether to pass or run. And I wanted to figure out, okay, is it true that on Thursday night teams run the football more? Well, the difference in rush rate between Thursday and non-Thursday games was 0.4%. That is not enough to be actionable. And also just for fun, would having an extra day, say playing on Monday, help the cause? Well, that difference was roughly 1%. Again, not enough to be actionable. So the deal is on Thursday night football, the teams run just as much as they pass as they do say any other day of the week. And we have the percentages uh, up there. So that's important here. So you don't necessarily need to overload on say, you know, rushing props or rushing attempts, things like that. If you're expecting to do it any other day of the week. Thursday is just fine. As far as that's, as far as that's concerned. Uh, by the way, uh, if you look at this season, just 2023, 
46.8% rush rate for Thursday games, 45.8% for non-Thursday games. Still not big enough of a difference. Another way that we could see more vanilla offenses is by average depth of target. It should go down if the offense is simpler. Well, the A dot for Thursday games since 2019 is 6.97. For all others is 6.98. Simply put, offenses are no more different on Thursday night football than they are any other day of the week. Yeah, I... A lot of things float around there, float out there on Thursdays. And the the unders have been a thing this year. The primetime unders have been a thing. But for a long period of time, Thursdays, Thursday first half unders have been a thing. Uh, another a trendy thing or popular talking point, not so much this year because we just haven't had uh, any points where it has made sense to discuss is coaches with little experience fading those coaches with the quick turnaround that haven't dealt with Thursday and the maybe you know the the run thing you know sometimes you see a small sample it sticks in your head and but that could just be oh well that game was a route they're just looking to end the game and get out of there and like we'll probably see a lot of running tonight but it doesn't mean that's a Thursday night football thing that could be a weather thing. That could be a matchup thing. Like, there's a lot of things that go into it. So a broad statement like that, yeah, I, I didn't hear as much of it until I pointed it out. But then I started thinking about the, the typical handicaps that we hear week to week, that you do hear that a little bit more, uh, that teams end up running it. And, you know, teams also with, with the limited prep time, sometimes they just stick a lot with what they were doing the week before. Mm-hmm. Aaron, you're muted, Aaron. Sorry about that. You try not to get too cute on a short turnaround just because you don't have a lot of time to prepare. But I think also, like, we were exposed to so many trash matchups on Thursday night football that maybe just overall people are like, oh, it's going to be one of those, you know, and think it's going to be just a low scoring, let's run the ball type of game and so it's just stuck in their head but really after tonight we've got some pretty good matchups coming up on thursday night football we just got to get through tonight yeah i think you bring up a really good point aaron that you know when we think of thursday night i think the first thing we think of are okay those bad matchups like you know i thought it was really notable last season in terms of quarterback play the offenses we were seeing all of that stuff where it felt like, okay, well, if you have bad quarterbacks playing on Thursday night or, say, less glamorous teams playing on Thursday night just because you're trying to get this new product out there or whatever, you're not necessarily putting the most popular teams, most popular quarterbacks, the best quarterbacks on Thursday night. If that's what's going on, then, okay, fine. Yeah, you are going to run the football a good bit more. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that we have to be careful of, especially in this space, is this notion that, are we looking at the right variables for whatever trends may exist? Now, first off, the idea of rushing more on Thursday, it's not true. These tiny percentages that we're seeing here, they don't matter. Like, they're not statistically significant. So, okay, yeah, if there's a slight bump, okay, but that doesn't matter. It could easily go the other direction because it's such a small margin. But the uh, bigger thing here is, okay, what is the variable? What is the indicator that's explaining whatever trend we may be seeing? And when it comes to rush rate, I think it has a lot more to do with lopsided matchups, 
the offenses playing on Thursday, all of those things matter a great deal more than just inherently playing on a short week. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, tonight's going to be ugly. <laughs> it's going to be yep. so gross. People are going to be so sure mad enough. about it. But uh, yeah, you know, maybe the best thing is they act for people that do say this, they, we do get a lot of running. So it's over as quick as possible. Just end the pain <laughs> for all of us. Right. You know what I might do? Put up the Christmas what? decorations tonight during this game. Maybe it's that'll like kind of background, you know, just background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you, you, should, you should humbug. Mute Al and put on some Christmas music. That's Mariah on loop. Yeah. You know, just get some there holiday go. cheer going. <laughs> you, a little Michael Bublé. Actually, I do no. have a quick story about that. So I was putting away my Halloween decorations in the garage, and I have this shelf that hangs from the ceiling, and I'm like, ugh, right. since I'm up here on the ladder, I might as well get the tree down. I might as well get the decorations. Uh, so no. I wasn't planning on actually decorating, but now that I think we've got a boring matchup, maybe I should just knock it out. Yeah. I have a question. I think I'm going to avoid that this weekend. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I've been... I've been living in enemy territory for a couple of years now. And like, you need to stop season, it. It's no more enemy territory. It's, it's not Chicago. Separate beds. Like, oh, I thought you meant well for the marriage. I thought you meant your, I thought you meant <laughs> your like, living. Dick Van Dyke you show. The, uh, that'd be great. Do you do the seasonal like decoration changes? In the like, house. I, I could oh. never do it. Yeah. Uh, she does. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't even know where they are. Aaron, do you? <laughs> I used to, I, the like place, the place before this. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Three other dudes. We left Christmas no, lights up no. the whole year. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, we yeah. just did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, they're, yeah. The, Brother, have, our Christmas decorations did not come down in my last house until April. No, there's a point. I take them yeah. down at that point because then you're at Christmas in July and you might as well run it. Well, because we were yeah, moving that's what in Gerch June. Does. So. Oh, I mean, listen. I don't I don't want to do the Christmas decorations thing so bad that apparently on Saturday I'm going to go look at the dogs selection. <gasps> so that Why is, is not this a, not our lead? Choosing a dog over a Christmas dog. decorations is insane. Over me climbing Why? up to the attic to to bring down all the Christmas decorations, which is it is so a, much But then you got a dog Santa okay. hat. You're going to get so many Christmas decorations for the dog. Yeah. So many yeah. We'll see. We'll, let's see what happens. Dog here costume. We going big dog, little dog. dog. It's got to be slow a down dog. with the the Chiron. Slow down, Gurch. <laughs> Chiron. It looks like a Mitch email. <laughs> like slow down. Okay. <laughs> Is the dog gonna eat the lizard? Never. <laughs> never in life. I can't stand Eber it with people. Name. Name your dog Eber. <laughs> Name the dog Eber. <laughs> Doubtful not the playing. The This is Bajent. Yes. The Bajency. Bajent. Yeah. not a bad dog name. I would never do I it. Like but it. No, Wrigley is, I don't know. 0017. Bring no. it back. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Like, oh, do he's it. off the bears, kids. We got to get rid of the dog. He's no longer a bear. He's in the CFL. <laughs> got to send him to uh, Miami right. or wherever. They're making him yeah. a third stringer. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll see. We'll We're see. all Montreal I'm... Alouette fans here in this household. 
but I mean, but you just name him Bear, right? Dress him so as a Mountie. Easy one. That'd be amazing. So dress your dog I as thought, a Mountie. I thought the other day that we we decided his name was going to be Capper. It's just a pretty good dog name. Oh yeah, I do love that. That won't get approved, but you know. No, it oh, won't. Cutler, but... Cutler kind of has Cap a for short. Nice ring to Such it. A Chicago thing. I like Cutler. <laughs> How about Grossman? Yeah. Grossman. No. name old. Hey, how about yeah? Let's name old bad Rex bears. Rex Grossman is our dog. Yeah. Caleb Haney. That's, yeah, Caleb Haney, Jonathan Quinn. Bear hey Lawson. Quinn. 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 I know a Quinn dog in the area. It's pop. That's popular. There you go. My brother. Jake Quinn. You can't do it because you can't have more than one of the same name in the neighborhood. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah, you got to differentiate. Well, let's see if we actually Quinn get apparently. Yeah. Wait, give us a give us a breed or like what what are you looking at? Let's see. I I've no seen anything in my life. Definitely big not or small. There. Big or small. Uh it'll eventually be big. At the time okay. it'll probably be <laughs> have fun with that. <laughs> grow. A lot of walking in the cold. This is Back Duel Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our NFL contest picks for the weekend. That's I right ain't here. Walking on the anybody. Network.